the habit of being an idiot. We're back in our blame game victims feature. And uh, up to this point, we have unmasked the four invaders that take residence in our hearts. So now the, the, the question is, what do we do from here? How do we... How do we resolve the issues that we have? How do we overcome? How do we challenge these four invaders? Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about now. We're going to be giving you the information, uh, the habits that you have to put into place in order to challenge those four invaders. But before we do that, we're going to use today's uh, message, today's episode, as a transition um, because we have to uh, overcome a common uh, myth or a common uh, untruth that is very prevalent in the church world. And we don't know exactly where it started, but uh, many Christians have kind of embraced this approach to making changes in their lives and at the end of the day, it actually keep it actually makes people wonder if God even really cares about making changes. Never mind changes in our hearts. So we we need to uh, we need to overcome that or dispel that myth uh, or that untruth, if you will. So in order to do that, we're going to uh, start out with. Uh, an, an illustration, a story, and uh, this story is about Vinny Boombots, and uh, Vinny, Vinny has had issues with sleeping at night. Um, we know he knows he has acid reflux disease, um, but recently, see, he Vinny lives in Florida, and if you know anything about Florida in the summertime, it rains every day, and uh, so Vinny. Um, you know, Vinny has to go get his mail. So, Vinny, it's raining out, and uh, Vinny wants to avoid the raindrops, and he's too lazy, actually, to get an umbrella. So, you know, he runs out to the mailbox, comes back, gets the mail, runs back into his garage, and what Vinny's been noticing is that recently he has been out of breath from doing that. And I mean, you're talking, what, 100 feet, you know, maybe 50, 100 feet, whatever it is. You know, you're talking running down from the from the garage, down the driveway, get the mail, come back up. So it's not a long run, but then he's been, you know, getting uh, winded from this lately. And it wasn't always that way. So... Anyway, uh, Vinny decides that his best, uh, the best thing he can do now is maybe consult with a professional. So Vinny makes an appointment to go see a cardiologist. And after, after consulting with friends and family, he, he comes to the conclusion that the, uh, uh, Dr. Giuseppe is the best cardiologist around, uh, and the best for his needs. So anyway, he makes an appointment. And uh, he goes in uh, to the to the office, and um, the doctor puts him through a very long series of tests. And this includes uh, the infamous uh, three minutes on the treadmill. And then uh, you know, the doc tells him go home and uh, 
we'll give you a call when test results are back. So about a week, week and a half goes by. Uh, Vinny gets the Vinny gets the call from the doctor's office. Come on in. The doc wants to see you. We got your results back. So time comes. Vinny goes back in the office, and as he's waiting in the he's waiting in the uh, waiting room, and then not the waiting room, but you know the room in the back where they put you after the waiting room. You know, that room in the back where you think you're getting to see the doctor, but now you're just in another waiting room, hidden in the back? Yeah, that room. Anyway, Vinny's been in there about 10 minutes or so, and uh, in comes Dr. Giuseppe, and he's got a look on his face that would stop a snowstorm. So Vinny, in his infinite wisdom, senses that something just ain't right. So he, he, he looks at the doctor and says, okay, doc, give it to me straight. So the doc looks down at his clipboard and uh, and he says to him, well, well, Vinny, uh, you're not in the best of shape. You don't need surgery at this time, but you need to make some serious lifestyle changes or you will need surgery uh, in the near future. So Vinny says... To the doc, hey doc, what are we talking about here? I'm a bit worried about this. What what kind of changes are we talking about? So the doc pulls out from his clipboard. He pulls out a uh, a single page from the clipboard and gives it to Vinny. And Vinny looks at it and jumps up and says, Doc, this is a three day a week exercise regimen. What am I supposed to do with this? I told you that I get winded from just from running to the mailbox. So the doc tells Vinny, he says, look, Vinny, once you become, once your body becomes uh, used to this level of activity, uh, we're going to bump, bump you up a notch. So Vinny again says, doc, I don't think you're getting this. I don't think you're getting this situation. He said, I can't do this. I've got a bad heart. You told me that yourself. So once my heart gets stronger, then, okay, then I don't, I won't mind exercising. But you can't expect me to do this exercise regimen in my present condition. So the doctor looks, looks at Vinny with a look of confusion on his face. And, uh, Vinny just says, look, this regiment says that I'm supposed to walk for 30, 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes, three times a week. And, uh, hey, Doc, do you realize how out of breath I would be if I did this? And not only that, I'd be sweating like a pig. Hey, you know, this is Florida. It's summertime. You know how it is. And if, if, if I do the stretching involved, that you have on this sheet, I'll be sore for days. Doc, I have a bad heart, Vinny says. I can't do this stuff. First fix my heart, and then I'll consider the routine. So Dr. Giuseppe looks at uh, Vinny and says, Look, Vinny, Vinny, you came to me. Now I'm telling you, I'm trying to fix your heart. And this is how you do it. You have to exercise it. And you know, Vinny, discomfort is part of the cure. Don't you know anything about strengthening muscles? You strengthen a muscle by exhausting it and then letting it rest. So, to 
to fix the heart, your heart, we've got to exhaust it. We've got to, you know, periodically exhaust it and then let it rest. And yes, Vinny, you will be sweating and you will be sore. And you know something, though? You won't always feel too good during the process that I'm going to put you through. But this is the road you have to take if you want to recover. So now Vinnie Bumbat begins to uh, just shake his head. Yeah, look, Doc, you know, let me, let me just tell you a little bit of truth here. He said, you know, for years, my wife, she's been trying to get me to exercise. And he said, so finally, about a year, year and a half ago, I gave in and tried out her treadmill. And man, I wasn't on that thing for like three minutes. And I thought I was going to die. And I'm telling you, Doc, this exercise regimen is not going to work. I've already tried to exercise this exercise thing. And all it did was make me tired. And you know another thing? You know how silly I look in uh, spandex shorts? It'd be like a hippo wearing pantyhose. That's what I would look like. So, you know, once I lose a little weight, maybe then I'll go for this whole fitness thing and the look. But not until then. So, Doc, give me something to strengthen my heart. Do something. And then I'll be happy to follow your advice. You know, you're the expert, not me. So at this point in time, Dr. Giuseppe opens the door and says, you know what, Vinny, you're an idiot. And you know, people, it's a, it's a little bit of a humorous story, but it, it does uh, tell the truth here. And you know, we're, everybody's an idiot at some point in time. So, uh, you know, anyway, it was a little humor here, but the, the story is, is one to put forth a truth. And, you know, doctors really can't say probably stuff like that, but there may be some that, that, that do. I, I remember, in fact, a doctor years ago, many years ago, my brother-in-law, he, uh, he was having a problem when he was running. He was a runner. He was running and he, he kept getting, uh, he kept getting pain in his leg or I forget exactly his foot or his leg. I forget exactly what, but he went to the doctor and he told the doctor, he said, uh, Doc, I keep, he said, every time I run, I get this pain in my leg. And uh, the doctor said, well, then don't run. <laughs> you know, again, humorous, but uh, it's uh, it's something to consider. Um, but anyway, uh, getting back to Vinnie Bumbats, uh, in this in this situation, this this story, uh, if you look at it, really look at it, you would have to say that, yes, Vinnie is definitely an idiot. You know, you don't wait until your heart is healthy to do the exercise. You exercise to get your heart in shape and to keep it that way. And uh, this is true of the other heart as well, the other heart that we're talking about in this feature. Yet what happens is we try to use the same line of reasoning that that uh, Vinny used with the doctor, we, we tend to try to use that same kind of reasoning with uh, God. And uh, the problem is, is we get the same results that Vinny got. So in, in, in churches all over the world, people stand together, they sing, change my heart, 
Oh God, make it ever new. Change my heart. Oh God, let me be like you. And I, if it was that easy, if it was that a changed heart was as simple as singing a song or praying a prayer, um, that would be a great thing. But, you know, uh, in most cases, it's not. It's not. And it, it, it would require, it requires effort to change your heart. And, uh, in many occasions, it, it requires pain. And most assuredly, there's always discomfort involved in it. And the truth is that a changed heart is a result of forming new habits. Exercises, if you will, for the heart. And that's why for most of us, we would rather sing about it than actually do the hard work. Just like Vinnie Boombots, we want that miracle cure, a quick fix. That's why in the, in the, uh, the, the world, uh, uh, people look for that quick fix on everything they do. Weight loss, uh, exercise, no matter what it is, they're always looking for that quick fix. Because the work involved is overwhelming to people and they don't want to put into time necessary to make the change. Um, so again, people are idiots at times and uh, what we're talking about here again is breaking the habit of being an idiot. So it takes a habit to break a habit. So you can't expect to overnight break a bad habit you've spent years uh, making or getting into. So you now have to establish a new habit in order to break the old habit, and this takes time. And you can pray about it all you want, uh, but until you start exercising your heart in the direction that it needs to go, nothing is going to change. That's like praying, Lord, give me a smaller appetite, and then I'll start eating less. You know, if you want to shrink your appetite, you gotta, you gotta get, get, get into some, uh, appetite shrinking exercises. You need to develop some new habits, a new lifestyle. How about the people that say, that's just the way I am? Old habits die hard. Guilt, anger, greed, jealousy, uh, the four invaders that we've unmasked, they all are habit forming. And just like any other habit that goes unchecked over time, they become, uh, they actually will come to define us. That's just the way I am. That becomes a, a part of the, uh, part of our issue. These disorders become such a part of us that we no longer uh, view them as issues to be resolved. Instead, we dismiss them. We dismiss, we dismiss these destructive habits as characteristics which are hardwired into our personality. That's just the way I am. That becomes our confession. And people, we need to change that. You know, uh, people will fall on into that, uh, that confession of, uh, like if you're angry, they'll say, you know, the men in my family are famous for their tempers. Uh, what can I say? I'm an emotional girl. I'm a saver. These are all excuses people use to 
when they get in the habit of guilt, anger, greed, or jealousy. I remember my brother, God rest his soul, but I remember my brother, uh, he was overweight, and uh, I remember him, you know, putting his hands on his belly and saying, hey, it took me years to grow this belly. You know, and yes, was it, he was saying it facetiously, but guess what? That's the mentality, that is the confession of many people. Um, Andy Stanley had a friend. Um, he tells a story that he had a friend called Ralph, and this guy was grace, grossly overweight. And uh, when the subject would wake him up, he would always smile and say, I really enjoy eating. That was his excuse. And he had used that line for so long that he really believed it. And uh, from from this from Ralph's perspective, he wasn't fat because he lacked self-control. He was simply born with the, uh, uh, the, the eating gene, you know. He wanted to eat and he was good at it, you know. So being fat or overweight was part of actually who he was. His size had nothing to do with the habits that needed to be changed, or so he thought. But uh, you know what? Ralph went on to have two heart attacks and a couple of bypass surgeries. And uh, finally, he dropped that charade and that confession and came to uh, face reality. And uh, he had to eliminate, eliminate some of those life-threatening habits and embrace a completely different lifestyle and approach to food and exercise. And, you know, there's there's... Uh, there may be a bit of a uh, little bit of Ralph in all of us. We like to laugh off our bad habits. You know, we like to just attribute those as personality traits. But the truth is the truth, and we can't change that. These are habits, destructive habits that need to be broken. And uh, and what do we do? We pray for change while we make. For we make, I'm sorry, we pray for change while we make excuses for the very things that we need to change. Let me say that one again. We pray for change while we make excuses for the very things that we need to change. I told you, I told you, people are idiots sometimes. We're all idiots at some point in time. We want to wake up one morning with a generous spirit. We're guilt-free, we're anger-free, and when it comes time to do the heavy lifting, to do the habit-breaking exercises necessary to, to make those changes, something in us resists. And, you know, we, we come to this, uh, we come to this uh, confession, this conclusion that if God wants to change me overnight, fine, but if you're asking me to work at all, then maybe you're trying to make me somebody that I'm not. Wow. Wow. So what's going to happen in this in this feature is we are going to be looking at um, four spiritual exercises that if we take the time to make them an, a habit, they will effectively effectively neutralize the enemies in our hearts. And you know, just like physical exercise um, when we implement this uh, regimen, it's it's going to be a matter of sheer discipline. 
just like when we physically exercise. It takes discipline. And it also takes an act of our will. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's, and it's not an easy thing to put into place a defying act of our will. And just like physical exercises, the, uh, these, these changes are always profitable even when they are not especially enjoyable. The longer you, you, you live with guilt, the longer you hang on to anger, the longer you hang on to your, you, you cling to your stuff, the longer you compare yourself to others, the harder it will be to exercise and put into place this regimen, uh, these four virtues. The longer that you neglect your heart, the longer that, the, the, the more years that you've, you've put into this, uh, that you've neglected these issues, the harder it is to get in shape. But, if you do, in the end, it will be well worth the effort. I mean, have you ever met a physically fit person who ever told you that they regretted doing the hard work necessary to get in shape? No, I mean, I have it. And I am one of the persons that actually uh, does do the work physically to get in shape and stay in shape. So um, I have never met anyone who regretted a good habit. I don't know if you have. Ask yourself. Uh, you know, think about it. Have, have you ever met anyone who had a good habit and regretted having that habit? But I bet you if you thought about it, that uh, you would know people who are paying the price for bad habits that they never got rid of. And you may even know people who consistently practice the four habits we're going to be discussing uh, in our upcoming, upcoming episodes. And while you may never have actually seen them doing the exercise necessary, there's something about their lives that will tip you off that uh, their hearts are in a healthy condition. And uh, simply put, they are happy people. Genuinely happy people. And you know what? They're a joy to be around. And what, why do you think that is? Because happiness is a habit. And um, what what about happy people? What do they do to stay that way? You know, we all want to be happy. And the problem is, is that we try to squeeze happiness out of somebody or something else, but it never works. Especially for the person that we're squeezing. And you'll discover, if you uh, you really want to, that the happiest people uh, that you know are people who have mastered the four habits that we're going to be talking about. And uh, these are learned behaviors, but you know what? Happy people seem to do them uh, as a matter of instinct. And what happens is we, we start to think, oh, she's always been gracious and kind and humble. That's, that's who she is. 
Um, but you know what? It's it's very rare. Over time, habits have helped to shape the pers- that this person's character and relationship patterns, often because he or she grew up in an environment where these habits were taught and modeled. So you see, it's never been that they've always been that way. It's that they've put in the, the, that the habits, the habits shaped their character, and it, it's because they were in an environment where these habits were taught and modeled. Um, we're, we, we may think that happiness is a matter of disposition or a product of our circumstances or our environment. But think about it. Uh, you know people, you, or have heard of people, or maybe just aware of people that are in less than uh, enviable circumstances who are very happy, and genuinely happy. And then, of course, on the other hand, you may know people, have heard of people, or may be aware of people that uh, that that the more stuff that they know, uh, what to, they have more than they know what to do with. You know the people I'm talking about. They have more than they know what to do with, but yet they're never content. Why is this? It's because we cannot associate happiness with wealth. They're not synonymous, and not neither is it. Neither is happiness synonymous with beauty, marriage, singleness, or any other external circumstance or relational status. And in fact, what we will discover is that wealth may actually work against happiness. And typically, typically, the more a person has the less generous they are, the tighter they become as far as uh, their resources go. The more a person has, the more stress they carry, the more anxiety they carry. Why? Because, number one, the more you have, the more you're apt or in a position to lose. And secondly, the more you have, the more aware you are of what you don't have. So it, it, it can be said that it's actually harder to be happy and rich than happy and not so rich. You know, but don't, don't be concerned with that. Even the wealthy can master these, uh, hard habits that we're going to be talking about. You see, happiness is no respecter of people. It's merely an overflow of a healthy heart. So we've been talking about the four habits for uh, for a while now. So the the four invaders, we've unmasked them, and um, what we're going to be doing now is uh, again we're going to be getting into what we do with this information, how we overcome these four negative habits. And uh, let me just leave you again with this statement. Happiness is the overflow of a healthy heart.